Hello and welcome to Tully Travels Podcast. Hello everyone and what is the crack now? So um, this is kind of just a summary of the whole Lisbon to Malta trip. Some ups and downs, things that I liked and disliked I'm going to talk about. So this will probably be a long episode like... 20 odd minutes I'd say so um and I should sit down there and relax and listen to me talk shit <laughs> um first of all I want to talk about how I feel at the moment you know after the whole trip um very satisfied and happy not as tired as you know I thought I'd be or anything like that um you know, I've had a couple of days off now, so the body's ready to go again, you know. Um, the legs are starting to soften. They're, they're rock hard still, like my quads and my calves. But um, they're st- yeah, I can slowly tell they're starting to to lose a bit of maybe, I don't know, muscle or, you know, it, it knows, right, there's nothing to do, so we're, we may as well go being soft. Um and the rest of my body is fine. My my hands actually might be the only thing. My baby fingers and then the one next to them. Um they've been through the whole trip, uh had a lot of pins and needles. So because I haven't been holding on to handlebars or whatnot for the last few days, I think that's the feeling is starting to come back into them as well. And um my hands are rock hard because I wasn't wearing gloves, their skin is starting to come off and peel and whatnot. So yeah, it's body's slowly starting to, to heal itself. Um last few days haven't been up to a whole lot, to be honest. A lot of eating. Um hydrating myself. I did not beer here and there. But um it's completely flushing through me. Um not moving as much, but I'm moving differently, like walking and whatnot. So, like, uh, the water is just flowing out of me. Um, and when I was on the bike, obviously, I might only go to the toilet once, maybe twice a day. Whatever I was putting into my body, it was using up. And then, you know, after a few hours, you might just, uh, like, go to the toilet for a wee and only a small bit will come out of just... It's used the rest of it, like, so... Now, obviously, that it's... The, the body isn't working as hard it's you know just doesn't need as much I suppose but um, other than that can't complain um, had a great reaction from people and you know there was a few pounds gathered up and I donated some of it to a, a local community project in Swinford County Mayo where I'm from so um, I'm happy with that you know it's Nice to give back, I suppose, and give to something small rather than, I don't know, the bigger charity type things. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy about that as well. Someone else is going to get help, like, and uh, so I suppose that's all we can do for one another, help one another out. But um, take you back anyway, we'll start maybe day one, I suppose. Left Lisbon that day, um Looking back and I look at my pictures, I'd weight on. I didn't realise it at the time, but I had a bit of a bit of a belly, even though I'd been training. But I'd it was all just like legs, you know. And obviously, I was still eating like a horse and maybe not moving as much. But um, that first day, it was grand start. To be honest, you know, on and off ferries, roads were good. Um, one thing I'm not sure if I ever mentioned it. I stopped for lunch someplace. And then this became a trend from here on out. Went into this restaurant and I ordered food and I said, could I get tap water, please? Take of this what you will. I don't particularly like paying 250 maybe three euros for a bottle of water. Just give me a glass, run it under the cold tap, that'll do me. You know, I'm not fussy. So it was a young fella... He said, no, you, you can't drink the water out of the tap here. Which I believe, uh, anyone correct me if I'm wrong, y- if you you have a premises, um, 
And obviously you cook with that water, you wash the dishes with that water. It has to be drinkable. If not, then the place should be closed. Naturally, the young fella, he was only probably doing what he was told. So I thought, I said, that's fine. No need for water. I went out and I grabbed my water bottle and I went into the toilet and I filled it myself with the tap. Didn't get sick, you know. I, I'm still here, so it was drinkable. But, you know, I didn't like that. That was one thing that really, really got under my skin. Um, unfortunately, though, that became a trend from, from here on out. Everywhere I went to try and get tap water from people they didn't want to give it to me. Oh, no, just buy the bottle instead of us. Give me three quid for a 500ml bottle. You know, it's gone in two gulps. Like, because I'm, like, chewing it through it, like. And then, um, in other places where there would be water fountains, some would work, some wouldn't. But if ever there was a water fountain near uh, a shop, then the tap would be removed. You know the tap bar? That would be removed. So you just have a tap there, but you've no way to turn it on unless you have like an adjustable spanner or something like that. Um, and in one place, I seen it, and I I have an adjustable spanner, only a small one, just um, for if I need anything off the bike or anything like that. So I turned it on, I filled the water, and turned it off again. But um, you know, it's a dirty trick, in my opinion. But anyways. Uh, day one, yeah, wild camped, met this couple from Slovenia uh, on the beach. I washed myself on the beach and cooked a bit of dinner and whatnot. And um, it was a great start. Do you know, I couldn't have wished for anything better. Day two, then, day two was a long day. Uh, so I went from Singe to Sagres. Um, hit a couple of round tur- turns, I remember. And I went down one particular road and I met a farmer and he more or less told me, turn around, you're not coming through here. On the maps it says it's a public road or path, but he had a gate up and he had a lock on it and no, I wasn't getting in there. So that was like a bit frustrating. It happened two or three times that day. So it all adds 10 kilometres onto a journey, which doesn't sound like a lot, but over a long day, 10 gates, an extra maybe, depending on how, hilly and whatnot it could be an extra half an hour maybe 40 minutes onto your day so um then i got to a place called villa de bicho it's about 10 8 to 10 kilometers north of sagres it was dark and didn't really feel like camping at that time um i had big mileage done so i thought you know what i'm gonna try and you know book in somewhere so cycling up the road uh, and then came to um, I found a place on booking.com but um, it was the only place around but it had no price on it for some reason so I cycled up to this house introduced myself and said yeah I want a room for one night and um, she showed me the room this elderly lady yeah no problem blah 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 and then she took out a calculator and you know, we were able to communicate because I had the bit of Portuguese and I said, how much is it going to be? Like, and, you know, did the rubbing two fingers together and she took out a calculator and typed in 60 euros. And I thought, what? It's like, it's 10 o'clock at night, you know. It's a single bed in a room. There's probably no one else staying in it. I said, I'm not paying 60 quid. So I said, no, thank you. So I said, do you mind? I'll give you 20 quid. Uh, I'll camp out in your garden. And she said, no. So I said, fine. So I hopped on the bike and I cycled to Sagres. Um, it was pitch black dark and I went to a hostel. Fucking, I think I paid like 12 quid, you know. So like, I don't know, that kind of was annoyed me a bit as well. You know, Obviously, it's all my own making, but, you know, it was a Saturday night. That woman, it was either 60 quid or nothing. She wasn't going to haggle at all. Like, you know, there was no bit of I don't know give so well she's 60 quid less off anyways um, so then yeah I got to this hostel it was lovely grand met a few people went out for dinner and then I was in bed early next day then got up early went and had to look at the lighthouse in Sagres and cycled from Sagres to Terveda I think it's called um, it was big mileage about 150k I think it was um, so 
it took me, I think, an hour to do 12 kilometers. The first hour, I only done 12 kilometers. Sagres, if ever you go, is on the southwest corner of Portugal. It is the most windiest place. And um, it's not like, you know, it's coming from one direction. It's like a swirl and wind. So, like, no matter what bend I went round, I was getting hit in the face. And then, you know, you might get a tailwind for a minute. And then, no, it's coming to the left side here and the right. So, that was hard going. Obviously, the big mileage, legs wouldn't have been used to um, that big a mileage two days and now the third day in a row. So, it was a tough first hour. Got to Lagos. Um, that was lovely. Just had a quick look in there, and then just kind of he- kept going in Portimao, then bypassed um, what do you call it, Villamore. Um, oh, there's another place there. Villamore shit escapes me. Um, Fero, and I went to Tavea. Um, I have an American friend who happened to be there at the, at the time. She was there. This lady with six other friends um, met this lady in Chicago in 2009 remained in contact and she was following the page and geez, we said we'd meet up so it was really really nice handy so met her and her mates stayed in their uh, Airbnb this is how nice now and good of people they were they were cooking dinner and they they kept a bit for me um, and they let me wash and dry my clothes Obviously, I was only three days in, so I hadn't much washroom. But you know, it was, it was a small little thing. But geez, it meant a lot. But um, great time talking, just talking about the cycle. Duran asking them about their holidays. They've been doing a bit of a tour of Europe um, and all that. The majority of them, I think, they're from Colorado. Um, and then there was one other couple from Bristol. So um, yeah, really interesting. And whatnot. Then, um, actually, uh, a lady I was in school with, she messaged because she had been following the page, and um, her father lives uh, in the Algarve, and she messaged and said, "Oh, my dad, dad lives here." So I said, "Right, give me his number." I said, "I'd love to meet him." I know the man to see. Never spoke to him before in my life. Um, so this is day three. So this is now end of day three, start of day four. So. Got up, I got his number, and on day four, I texted him, said who I was, and I said, I'll call over to you. So I did. Um, he He's retired. Jeez, he's a great life. He He's based in a campsite there and comes and goes as he pleases, and he's happy as Larry. So went in, met him, and introduced myself. And I only intended on staying maybe max an hour, you know, that I could, hello, how are we doing? Quick and go again. End up staying about five five hours just chatting about life this man is very well travelled Frank is his name, Frank Scott he's been all over Europe um, has a story about every place he's been and he's just comical and very, you know, wise he's had a lot of life experience so you know, can tell a good story as well and just great crack just, we, we had a great afternoon um, and then so after I had finished talking with Frank, um, I hit the road and then I was trying to make it to the border of Spain. Just fell short about three kilometres. I was absolutely knackered and it was getting dark. So when we went to a campsite that night, um, it was grand, I think. I think it was only like 10 euros to pitch the tent or something like that. So it was grand. I was able to get a shower there, fine. So up and out then, early-ish, next morning it was about 9am day 5 and headed for the ferry and this is where I, I, I fucked up on this day and yeah this is where things kind of started to change a bit actually so got to the ferry I had missed the ferry by about 3 minutes it wasn't another one for another hour so I was getting the ferry at half 10 Portuguese time no problem got on the ferry was talking to a lot of people actually met this couple can't remember now for the life of me where they were from. They're, they're English. But um, the the wife of the couple, the, the retired people, like, um, 
asked me where in Ireland I was from, and I said, oh, I'm from Mayo. And she goes, oh, my sister used to go out with a guy from Kiltrema, and his name was, his surname was Kenny. I can't remember the first name now, but I thought, gee, that is so funny. Like, Kiltrema is only about 20 minutes away from me. Like, um, it's a really small world. But anyway, I got on the ferry, half ten. Uh, I was off at then, 15 minutes later. However, this is where I got caught out. There's a time difference between Portugal and Spain of one hour. So when I got off the ferry, it was actually quarter to 12. So effectively, I'd lost an hour. Um, so I was like, oh, no. Like, and I'd, uh, that, that day was going to be 150 kilometers. So I was like, shit, I'm kind of pushing it now. You know, it's nearly 12 o'clock, uh, five hours or six hours of sunlight and 150 kilometers, like, I was going to be cycling in the dark, so I uh, wasn't too suited. But anyway, plodded along, that was all right. Made up a bit of good ground, and then there was this one particular path, and it was off-roading. And someone, I don't know, maybe the council or a farmer, had cut a rake of bushes, never fully tidied them up, and uh, didn't I cycle in and over it. The bike was my label for it, but the minute I came out and onto a main road, puncture in the back wheel, uh, sorry, front wheel. So I was like, shit, right, this is day, what now, five, first puncture. You're right, fair enough, five days I got by. I knew it was going to happen, but anyways, change this quick as lightning, happy enough, grand. About half an hour down the road, didn't the back tyre go flat? I was like, shit. So, same crack. I made a mistake here now when I was taking off the back tyre. Instead of loosening like the the clip, I went messing with something else and I loosened actually the gears. So I had only realised it the minute I had done it, so I thought, oh shit. So ended up trying to tighten up the gear thing. That was fine, whipped off the tyre, good to go. Got back on the bike, I couldn't change gear. I was stuck in a light gear, so I was like, what have I done? And fatigue, hunger, dehydration was kicking in and like I don't know how to fix this or what am I doing wrong but eventually thankfully I got it not perfectly but I still I was able to get the gears up and down on the bike so anytime there was a, you know a bit of a downhill put it into a low gear and like put the hammer down and get the, get the speed up as quick as I could and try and maintain it and burn up a couple of kilometers Um so then yeah, constantly plodding along, plodding along, and then uh, I got to a little town, and I seen a train station, and uh, I seen the time, seen the daylight, and I seen how much mileage I'd left. I had about 50 kilometres left, and I thought, fuck, that's two, if not three hours. Like, it's going to be eight o'clock, nine o'clock before I finish, so I thought, hell with this. I went, and I jumped on this train. Thankfully, there was one coming in, like, ten minutes, and it was only, like, 40 minutes, I think, of a train. Straight into Seville, and uh, just when I got off the train, I booked a hostel because you're in the middle of a city. So I thought, you know, there's, no, there's going to be no place to go camping, and I was unsure about you know city and safety. So booked this hostel, um, and then I turned up, and the fellow was there. And I was like, "How are you doing? Yeah, James, my name, blah blah blah." I said, oh, "A room for a night or two nights or whatever it was." And I said, "Oh yeah, I have a bike with me." He goes, "What?" He goes, oh, you need to tell us. You can't just come, uh, you know, with the bike and not say. Um, but I'd only booked this place because it said it had bicycle park. And so I said that to him. He goes, yeah, but, you know, there might be 10, bikes, 10 more bikes here, like, you know. So I, he got a bit cranky and I thought, right, Jesus. I felt like damn to go fuck himself. But I thought, no, there's no point. So I apologised and whatnot. Um, and you know what? It was probably the best thing he'd done give it out to me because from there on out every time I was going to book a place I messaged it I am coming by bicycle is there a place to store safely so lesson learned I suppose um, so that was Seville so then I took a day off then in Seville explored grand little town um, it once was like a powerhouse for like a port town or something like that but um you know, I think it's, it's slowly just kind of faded a small bit, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go back and have a wander around it. It's, it's grand, you know. Um, so then, after that, got back on the bike, whatever, and it was into day six, 
as I would call it, because I only count the days that I cycle. I was going heading for Gibraltar. I was hoping I'd get down to Gibraltar on one day. It was about... How was it? It, was, it, it wasn't 200 kilometres, but it was maybe 170. So, fully intended on making it. Um, but then, this became the fucking story. I got two punctures that day. It kind of killed my momentum and my mood and time. So I ended up calfing. I think about maybe after 100 kilometres, I thought, I'll with this. So I ended up staying in a campsite. This lovely woman, she was French. Um, so we were trying to communicate through English, French and Spanish. But um, she was very nice. She, I was the only one staying in the campsite. But... Um, showed me where the showers and everything were and all that and then I set up the tent the heavens absolutely opened and then she shouted and she goes hi and like made a sign bring the tent in under shelter so I was very thankful for that so I had a good night's sleep there and yeah was up and was out early then the next morning and through hell or high water I was making it to Gibraltar so it was about another yeah 70 or 80 kilometres I think uh, to do but um a lot of wind-eaten, um, hilly roads, uh, and it was very warm, I remember, and I don't know if you remember, this was like a, a, an unusual moment as well, I was only about maybe 10 kilometres into the day, maybe even less, I can't remember now fully, but I was cycling down this road, and then I got round a bend, and I meet a man, and he was shopping trolley, and there was like a black tarp in and over the shopping trolley, and he was like gesturing me to slow down and then he pointed back the way and he goes with his hand like pointing back the way like shaking his hand going what's it like up or down hilly and I said oh, not too bad but mainly hilly and then I don't know it was just very unusual like a shopping there's no houses around you're in the middle of nowhere and like a shopping trolley so fuck knows what it was that was in the trolley but I tell you I wasn't hanging around to find out so the minute I zoomed past him, I got round the bend and there was a, a van coming, flying. So I waved the, f- the van down as if to tell him, slow down, there's, there's going to be a buck now in the middle of the road, like you nearly run into him. But anyway, made it to Gibraltar. Uh, didn't stay in Gibraltar, just on the, the Spanish side of it. But uh, took a walk into it, had dinner there. It's all right for what i seen of it. Um, Obviously, you know, there's a big, it's an English territory, um, big English influence there, a lot of English people, a lot of different nationalities or whatnot, but uh, no more than certain places, I think, especially if it's to do around water, you know, the people, you know, they're all dolled up or they have like a Ferrari and they think they're a bit better than everyone else. And I think Gibraltar is a place like that as well. You know, they think there's nowhere else better or outside of Gibraltar so I just got that feeling or vibe but um, listen delighted I seen it ticked it off uh, I probably would go back to see more of the island and go up that actual rock of Gibraltar um, and yeah that was that's all I have to say about that so uh, then after that then Gibraltar then the next day I went to Marbella it was a grand spin, you know, it was just what I needed, it was only about 70 kilometres, um, it looks a lot more like on the map, but geez, yeah, no, it was nothing of a day, I thought, um, it was tough climbing out of Gibraltar, but um, then it was lovely and flat, in and out of like the, the seaside beaches, or main roads and whatnot, um, and got to Marbella, and I booked into a place, it was only like a guest house, or something like that, Um there was a lot of, yeah, different nationalities in Marbella. It's, I, I'd only heard of Marbella. I'd never been, but I had, I knew the kind of what the crack was. It's a very party kind of a town, you know, Costa del Sol. Overran with tourists. Um, you know, it's not very authentic, at least Spanish, in my opinion. Uh, you know, at nighttime, bright lights, loud music, get drunk, constant, you know, party 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 so um, yeah I just had the night there went out for dinner um, I actually got sick from pizza eating a the pizza there actually at the pizza and then 
I think I had a beer or something like that, and then I had an early night, and then I woke up in the middle of the night and I got sick. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's why I didn't have a good experience of the place. So then I'm going to kind of fast forward a small bit now. Went from Marbella like to the likes of Malaga, all the way to Almira, and that was the whole south coast of Spain done. Obviously, I'd been to Malaga before um, as a young fella, so it was lovely to just cycle through it. And then I, I had a rest day in Malaga again um, because I was getting punctures galore and I just needed a bit of a rest as well because I was pushing hard all these days, not eating properly, just drinking like a lot of Coke and Powerade and just hammering in a bit of chocolate and all, give me, give me three espressos, you know, just constant keep you yeah, alert. And then... Obviously, when that starts to wear off and you start crashing, it's it's not a very nice feeling. So, yeah, at a, at a rest day in Malaga, got talking and met some lovely people there, actually. There was a lady I met, um, and she lived in Acton in London, which is 20 minutes maybe away from where I have lived the last number of years in London. So that was nice. Met this Spanish lady, um, she was there on holidays with her daughter, her name was Sonia, but she actually lives in Dublin. Um, so yeah, it was a nice nice vibe type of thing, you know, just talking, meeting new people and whatnot. Then yeah, uh, Nerja, it's a place along the Costa del Sol. <clears throat> Someone I worked with had messaged me and told me, oh, you should stay there. Sorry I didn't, but um, it's a beautiful place, it's not very tourist touristy you know I'd highly recommend uh, going there if you ever get the chance or you want somewhere different and then all the way up to Almeida um, same thing yeah not very touristy busy with a lot of Spanish people maybe they're on holidays or whatnot. but um, I noticed these places that aren't very touristy they're a lot cheaper as well um, and reasonable and you know better food places in my opinion and whatnot. because let's face it when you go on holidays you know, and you go out and you try a place, it doesn't really matter, I think, if it, the food or the drink is good or bad. You're only going to be there for a few days and you're gone again. The restaurant or the pub, hotel, which is, there'll be another batch, plain load of people coming in a week's time again, sure. They'll know no better. And when there's nothing else around, you're kind of stuck with it, like. So, um, in these other small places, like, it's, it has to be top of their game or, you know, there won't be getting much business but then um, that was yeah the whole kind of south of Spain then ticked off um, I was kind of happy with the way I was motoring the mileage the body was slowly starting to kind of take a bit of an effect but um, yeah I was thoroughly thoroughly happy then the whole east coast of Spain is, is where I started to kind of it kind of got a bit tougher. So I, when I left Almeida, which is in the southeast corner of Spain, and started heading north, the next two or three days, a lot of wind. There was rain. I got rained on one day. Um, just, it was hard. It was a tough grind. Some tough roads. You're going down roads, and some directions were going wrong, and I was making mistakes, and... Yeah, a few things just the, the brain was starting to tire and you know sort of started questioning <laughs> myself the odd day going what am I at but um, still blooded along and we got up to where did we go the Valencia got to Valencia that was in the next kind of big town or city um, was only kind of there for a day had a quick run around us um, didn't see enough others to comment to say if it was good or bad or I liked it but um, this day when I landed there I booked into a hostel they said there was bicycle parking Grant landed there no there's no bicycle parking you have to park it outside and you need to lock it and chain probably my own fault I didn't bring a lock and chain on this journey because I didn't want to you know, carry the weight it was also a brand new bike uh, it's cost a couple of pounds, so I was like, no, fuck that. I, I don't trust leaving it outside because if someone gets it or, you know, robs it, I am totally screwed. So it always had to be inside someplace or in a room with me. 
So there was a Mexican standoff uh, with this crowd. Um, they weren't very helpful. So I thought, right, tell was she. Um, even though I booked and paid for this hostel for the night, I went down the road and found another one. Uh, lovely girl from Israel. Yeah, no bother, bring the bike in. All good. So I went down there. Um, so I was just only sorry I didn't go there first. But anyways... Um, in this time, when I landed to Valencia, I think I had counted as well. I had had 14 punctures in nine days. So it was working out nearly at two a day. So I thought, F this, went to a bicycle repair shop, said to your man, these tires are shit. They're, they're like sieves, you know, there's air blown out of them and water every five minutes. So he showed me these two other ones. They're a bit heavy duty. Um... There were Michelin ones, so I thought, yeah, do you know what? Throw them on, we'll see how we go. They, they got a, a couple of pounds now, I think. Between labour and the two tyres, it was something like 90 euros. But um, I'll tell you how it worked out. I only got one puncture for the rest of the trip with them, and I only had to pump them once. So, do you know, they were they were well worth this lovely fella. He, um, you know, he said, all right, it was about maybe 11 or 12 o'clock in the day when I went to him. He said, tomorrow's a holiday in Spain. I will not be open, so you need to come back here by 8 o'clock tonight to collect and pay. I was like, absolutely perfect, mate. You're a gentleman. So um, I was very, very happy and thankful for that. So then, obviously, I got up then the next day, and it was, yeah, Spanish Day. or It was something to do with Christopher Columbus. Um, nothing was open. Obviously, I'd been warned, so I had had a, f- a, f- a bit of food with me. I just got out the night before and you know, bought a bit bits of bread and salami or whatnot, just so I could have the the makings of a sandwich along the way. But um, I obviously ran out, and then there was no place open, so, jeez, I was struggling. But anyway, got I was meant to go to a place called Costello. Didn't make it because I was tired, I was hungry, and week so I ended up falling short, short about 30 kilometres that day booked into like um, uh, a B&B above a restaurant thank god the restaurant was open so checked into this place lovely elderly woman uh, she was running the show everything was good brought the bike in no problem and then she had a big feast of food and whatnot. so I was I was thrilled and then got up and out early, had the breakfast there as well, and hit the road. And I was uh, peddling for my life to get to Barcelona then. I needed to be in Barcelona. I think this is like a... This could have been a Friday or th- Thursday or Friday. I needed to be in Barcelona then by the following Friday. So I had to average out at least 120 kilometres a day in order for that to happen and not take a day off. So that's what happened. Um, kept peddling and whatnot. Um, came to some lovely places along the way. There was one of the days, though, the day I was coming into Barcelona. Um, I got on this coast road. Lovely scenery, but there was no hard shoulder. And it was all uphill for the first 7 out of 15 kilometres. Um, I was peddling for my life. I was sure this is the day I'm going to get rear-ended or going to get clipped by a lorry or a car as they pass. And if that happens, you know, you're slammed up against a wall. The only other place you can go is bounce back onto the wall into the middle of the road. Cars are flying at like 15, 60 kilometres an hour. Um, you know, there's going to be very lit reaction time. So I eyes on the road, concentrating... I was afraid to take my hands off the, the the handlebars even just to wipe the sweat away from myself because I thought, oh, jeez, if I fuck up here, like, it's it's curtains. But nevertheless, made it, thank be to Jesus, and got into Barcelona, checked into this uh, place, and I was going to stay there for two days, so they didn't want to take the bike, or allow the bike in. So I said, right, that's fine. So I left it in reception. And then I asked the fellow in reception what time he was finishing work. And he told me, whatever, at five or something like that. I was like, grand. So around quarter past five, I went and I took the two wheels off the bike. And I, without him seeing, I brought them up into the room and I put them under the bed. And then when 
the changeover happened, I knew I was hoping, and I did work out the two. It was a woman that was coming on after them. They obviously hadn't spoke, or he didn't mention about the bike. So I just pulled it in without her seeing, and I brought that into the room. So neither of them were either any wiser. So then the next day, when I was going out for a bit of a walk, he asked me where the bike was, and I said, oh, it's in a bike shop. I said, I need to get some repairs, and I'm going to leave it there until I leave. And he goes, oh, okay, perfect. So he never found out. So I suppose what he didn't, didn't know didn't hurt him, and nothing was damaged or destroyed, so it's all right. But... um from here then, uh, I had a bit of trouble then with my three network and data. Uh, I had used up all my data roaming, which I've done several times before, but they always get paid. You just, right, just keep taking whatever I owe you. But for this time, they locked me out of it. So I was very annoyed. I was without data. I fucking had no clue what to do. So uh, I had to work off, like, you know, public Wi-Fi. Jeez, um, I felt like I was back, back, back in again in Asia or South America. The minute you go into a pub or a restaurant, go, hi, uh, table for one, and uh, what's your Wi-Fi password? You know, just to get online straight away. So I had to do a bit of that for directions or whatnot. So I decided um, I'd take a bus, though, from Barcelona to Andorra. It saved me about 200 kilometres a lot of hills and you know I could figure something out when I get to Andorra got to Andorra um, got there really late it was like near midnight when I got there but um, really enjoyed actually even though I was only in Andorra about two days I'd go back again in a heartbeat small very picturesque you know nice friendly people um, there's a lot of money floating around obviously because it's a bit of a tax haven but uh Obviously, I'd love to go there. I've never skied in my life, but uh, I'd say when there's snow on the slopes, it, it probably does look something amazing. So um, when I was here anyway, I got talking to the fellow in reception, and I said, oh, do you know where there's a f- mobile phone shop? So I pointed down the road, and he said, yeah, you're going to this place. So I did, and they set me up with a pay-as-you-go um, Andorra number. So I had coverage anyway, Y5, whatever you, 3G, um, for the time being but obviously this wouldn't work outside Andorra and I thought oh, well I'm going to be in France in a couple of days two or three days so I need to go up with another plan so I mentioned this in my Instagram story a girl I was in school with told me about this other sort of brand or thing I could do called an eSIM so the company called Airlo so you go on you register with them you say what country you're going to uh, how much data do you want and it automatically like downloads it onto your phone. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, that's how I've been working now this whole time. So I lined it up uh, a French eSIM. I stuck 10 gig into it, and I think it cost me maybe about 15 or 16 euros. And I was probably burning through a gig a day, or maybe just shy of maybe about 0.8 of a gig. So it was at 80 me- megabytes, I think it's whatever it is, but. Um, you know, the minute it run out, you can top it up by one gig, three gig, five gig, ten gig. So sound. So then um, do that for the whole of France, all of Italy, and now in Malta. So, um, you know, it's probably just cost a bit more, but still it's just that peace of mind. You know, you, you can just whip out the phone for directions or book something or, you know, it's handy. So then uh, when I started cycling in Andorra, I was going to try and get out of Andorra in the one day I think I'd only put in to cover about 70 or 80 kilometres in one day so I thought oh, this would be possible but there was an awful lot of elevations there was like over 2,000 metres of an elevation so I think this is the day I literally just walked the bike nearly for the majority of the day tough hills constantly up 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 um, and it was cold, it was sweating and it was cold and the bit of altitude, you could feel me getting a bit lightheaded now and again. Um, so, geez, that was a very... This day in particular did kind of mess me up for a good week, I'd say, or five days afterwards. Um, I only managed 32 kilometres in this day. I was very down about it, pissed off, but um, 
you know, it's sometimes you need to take a kind of a hit like that. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be sort of, I'd like to think, when I'd say I'm going to do something or try something, I'm going to do it and that's it. There's no other kind of, oh, we might do it or we might not. This is what's happening in the story. So to say I was doing whatever, 70 kilometres and only do 32, I was like, gee, that's not even half. Like, that's pathetic. But um, landed anyway to this uh, place called Pasa de, Pasa de la Casa. And uh, this is where I met a fella. His name was Julio. He was from Senegal. But he lived in Tipperary before. But he'd never heard of County Mayo. Um, you know, this guy was a character. Like uh, He's absolutely hilarious. Very, very clever book though as well. And always called me by my name. And right, James. And how's it going, James? Constant, you know, that personal one-to-one, like... Felt like we knew one another for years, like. So, um, only stayed in a, a place uh, that he was working for the night. But, uh, geez, I'd go back again just to listen to him. Like, I'd say he could tell a story, like. But, uh, then the next day, got on the bike and I was heading for Pepperdon. So, I think there was about 150 kilometres. So, I was trying to make up what I lost kind of the day before and, and, and a bit more. But, um, a oh, great day. Probably, I'd say, I'm, yeah, maybe not, yeah, no. Probably the highlight of the whole trip was this day. Cycling all through the Pyrenees. There wasn't too many elevations, but uh, at one stage there was 30 kilometres of downhill. Like, I didn't have to put my foot on the pedal or put in any effort for 30 kilometres. Like, that's that's unheard of. That's huge. That was nearly, like, an hour and maybe 10 or 15 minutes of doing nothing, just, like, breaking, trying to slow down. Um, amazing, you know, just lots of windy roads and whatnot. And I oh, get speed up. I was trying to stop every few minutes and get a video or a picture, but um, no amount of pictures or videos could ever do it justice, like. But um, landed in into Perpignan, it was dark, and I was on the outskirts, like, in an industrial estate kind of place. Uh, I was going to camp and when I got to this particular place there was already like a bit of a gypsy camp set up um, just in the outskirts I thought geez no it mightn't be wise to go camping near them just in case they get a bit funny so ended up booking into like a little I don't know what you'd call it the holiday inn type of or something like that it was only I think it was like 15 quid or something just you just have the bare essentials, a single room, a bed. You, the minute you walk into the room, like, uh, the bed is right there. You can barely close the door because it's all so tight. But done the job. Um, and there was a few people there. They were interested in the bike and whatnot and asking me and wishing me well. And, geez, yeah, no, it was a nice vibe. I, um, I really like France to be honest with you and for my first trip I thought they were the nicest people I came across very helpful the, the infrastructure in the country the roads are brilliant um, and it's, it's very well set up for cycling and you know they're very straight they either like you or they don't there's no kind of pretending or fakeness it's yes or no with them so you know exactly where you stand there's no slobbering there's no smiling to your face and then turning around and then trying to rob you of a few pounds and after that no it's this is how it is and end of story so I like that so then left Perpignan and started working my way up the coast obviously I think I just mentioned a few minutes uh, when that day of hill climbing fucked, fucked me up a bit this is where it really started to take an effect for the next five days I couldn't manage more than 60 or 70 kilometers constantly tired um like there was no big hills or elevations but just legs were absolutely shattered and then there was one day i think i only managed about 40 and uh, but it was very windy and you know it's i kept calling it an act of recovery day but no i was actually doing more damage than good i probably should have taken like two or three days off um but Naturally, I just wanted to keep moving, get on with it, get on with it. Because if you're, if you're 
in the one place and you know there's not a lot to do I'd be like no I'm getting sick of this um, so kind of just started doing more damage to myself than good by keep keeping moving like but um, got to where did I go then I stayed in a place called Sete uh, really nice place it was very small uh, but I was very impressed with it met a good guy there from Switzerland Ben was his name you know he was in Ireland before and he stayed in the rally driver's house in Westmeath um, just it was a nice vibe you know a bit of crack um, the weather wasn't great but anyways and then I started working my way along and then I had to do it one big spin one day to get to Marseille um uh, it was a Sunday morning as well. I was meant to take the day off. Uh, I think it was like 170 kilometres, but uh, it was very, very windy because I went on like a, a coast road and it was, uh, you, well, you're wide open. There's no protection from trees or anything there. And uh, on this particular day as well, I fell off the bike. I was taking, um, what do you call it? Time lapse. Uh, on the phone and then didn't I end up going into soft mud and lost control of the bike and it keeled over on my right side and uh, yeah damaged or hurt my knee but thankfully nothing too too serious but um, made it to <coughs> Marseille then and that was grand then I was like right I do need to take a day off I was in a big city, so there was more to do. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be fine. Uh, got talking to plenty of people. And then met actually this lovely lady from Ghent in Brussels. She had just done a bikepacking trip from Ghent all through France to Marseille. It was great catching up and like talking with this lady. Um, she had done loads of bikepacking trips before. We were on about different routes, different bikes. You know, the the bags uh, you use, the helmets, the lights, the rechargeable lights, you know, um, you know carbon bikes, aluminium bikes, uh, the cleats, you know, the, the type of gear you used. You, you know, it was it was great just like a, to talk to someone and you had all the same sort of idea or interest. So that was really, really good. Um, she... Marseille was her last stop, so she was heading back into towards Ghent um, in the coming days. But um, from Marseille, then I wanted to make up a bit of time then as well, so I was going to cycle, or I did cycle from Marseille to Cannes. This was the biggest mileage I had done so far on the trip, or in my life. It was over 170k. Um, this is the day as well. Fucking. I'd be embarrassed. Sometimes I'd be thinking to myself, thank God there's no one else with me because they would have me killed at the mistakes like I'm making. So I ended up trying to take this shortcut through this park. There was all these places in North Glore, so I go, right, so I'll find another way around. And it ended up putting on about 10 or 11 kilometres, I think, on the journey in the middle of this forest, like our national park, pitch black dark. Couldn't see a thing miles away from my main road or anything like that. I was like, oh, fuck. Do you know, if ever I'm going to pass out or if anything happened, you would not be found for a couple of days. Minimum, like, do you know, because you're in the middle of nowhere, like. And, um, you know, it would only be by chance if someone was walking on this particular trail that you'd be found. But nevertheless, thankfully, it all worked out. Got out of this place. Made it to Cannes that night, checked into a place. Um, I have a friend from Wicklow who's been living and working in Cannes, I think, the last six or eight years. I messaged her. She works in the Keys Bar in Cannes. So uh, I obviously planned it a couple of days previous or whatnot. So I went down to this bar. Jeez, I hadn't seen her in ages. Great crack. Had a couple of pints. Met her work colleagues and a few of her friends. Um, everyone's super nice, having a good time. And I think it was a Monday or Tuesday night. Yeah, I think it was a Tuesday night, so like it was quiet. But um, it was only like 10, 
not even no, about six of us in the bar like so it was it was grand so I really enjoyed that seeing someone as well I knew catching up and whatnot. so it was a good positive mom vibe like from here then I went to Nice uh, Monaco and I got into Italy then all in the one day Monaco uh, Nice jeez I love Nice from what I've seen it was a lovely place I'll go back there again Um Monaco, glad I seen it as well. Obviously, it's a very small country. It wouldn't take long to get around it, but um, you're full of obviously money, just filthy money. Like, um, I went to that uh, Monte Carlo, what do you call it, casino, just to look and everyone gawking at all these Ferraris, and then you know a bollocks like me turns up covered and dripping in sweat. You know, with a, a, a reflector T-shirt and a pair of tattered runners and a bike and bits of a bags and sticking out everywhere. Like, they look at you like you're shit, like, you know. But, um, you know, some fella would turn up then in a Ferrari and he'd let her rev out and, oh, hey, you know. But I suppose if that's their thing, you know, good luck to them. But um, in into Italy, first night in Italy, yeah, was good, but... um. Oh, this became the the crack then for the next two weeks. The last two weeks, their drivers in Italy are, and I've no problem saying this, absolute lunatics is the only way I could describe them. Um, they all have a Super Mario vibe. Uh, they all must have played it, the game. Or that, that must be the driving test. Play Mario Super Kart, and if you, if you win the race, you can get a driver's license. So... The, the, the crazier you drive you know the the better of a driver you are here I think it is but um, just no need for speed and like don't seem to want to turn the steering wheel like to go on the opposite side of the road to overtake you on the bike nah nah just give him the bare amount you know uh, I think I touched on it one time there was one car a Fiat 500 overtaking me I'm not joking, yeah. I literally could have reached in and changed the radio station. Like, I was that close to the car. Like, um, yeah, just aggressive. There's no need, but, anyways, you know, obviously, they, these are people that don't cycle, so they don't know any better. So, but, anyways, it all worked out. So, from here, went to Genoa, then had a few days off around Genoa, and I went to Milan because I thought. Well, I'm up this side of me as well, you know, have a look at it. Um, and then started to take a couple of trains then. So I went to Rome, had a few days in Rome, I went to the Vatican. It's a rip-off of a city, I felt. Um, people not that friendly, I didn't think either. Um, wasn't overly impressed with that part of it, but, um, like, every building there is, like, nearly... Thousand, every building is about a thousand years old, like, so... That's that's an incredible thing, you know, the Colosseum and the Vatican and all that. It's it's nice to see it once. Um, and then from here, went to Napoli. Glad I seen it. Don't think I would be back. Uh, the weather had a big impact on this because it was raining. Um, and it has that dodgy vibe to it. But uh, naturally, still glad I seen it. You know, uh, I'm a big Maradona fan. Um, he was a bit of a lunatic in his day, but you know he was a he was some footballer as well, um, and they they absolutely loved him out there like he's bigger than God to them like you know. Um, from here, then went to Pompeii, had to look around there, um, the ruins like that. Yeah, it's, it's nice, but I I wasn't too wowed. If that makes sense, that might that might sound bad, but. I thought there was going to be more to it, if you get me. And um, yeah, listen, I read about it as a young fella in school, and that was the may the way they made it sound in the book or that I read or remembered being being taught. That was going to be something a lot more different. But um, from here, then where did I go? Started working my way down the coast and anyway, a bit more and more, and then got all the way down the very end. And got into Sicily. So I was just kind of determined and kind of said, right, I just need to finish this. You know, I'm done with this kind of in a way. Um, and then this, 
I know I talked about the Pyrenees being the highlight, but this particular day, I think it was day 36, probably was my, probably, if it wasn't the highlight, it's joint highlight with the Pyrenees day. Um, I got up in the morning, early enough, around six-ish, because obviously the, the time had changed now at this time, so I needed to get as much daylight cycling as early as I could. So I said, I'm going to try and get to Pozella, or Pozella, uh, in the one day. It's over 200 kilometres. Never done that before, obviously with the weight of the bike. The, the stuff on it, you know, the terrain, it's it's going to be hard. But I thought, do you know what? If I can get 170, 180 done, you know, it makes it an easy day the second day because I mentioned this and you know I'm glad I did and people said go on Tully or, you know you, you can of course make it like go on lad and then I kind of started believing that myself and really and truly and I genuinely mean this only for people get messages and say go on lad come on you know kind of g'd me up a bit and I was feeding off that adrenaline and I thought do you know what yeah fuck it I can do this so there was a lot of mistakes made along the way. Um, ended up in a fucking vineyard where I shouldn't have been in. Ended up nearly in a swamp. Ended up carrying the bike. But lo and behold, I got to Bozella in the one day. 240 kilometres, I think it was. Um, I was absolutely wrecked. Shattered, like, uh, exhausted. Whatever other massive word you can use to describe how tired you were. But I... I was just so happy and proud of myself thinking fucking hell you know finished strong on like my last or second last day to do something like that big you know after 30 odd days of cycling and all the ups and the downs to to do something like that it, personally as an achievement I was I was absolutely thrilled with it and um, the reaction of people like as well it's that really you know, made me feel good about myself and everything, and yeah, I was absolutely thrilled. And then, geez, I didn't have to do <laughs> too much mileage then after that, but um, got the ferry obviously, then the next day, no real issues. Then got to Malta and ended the journey. Um, and yeah, that was it. So I didn't really know or have a plan what to do next, but I just relax like fully let the body forget about what it's just done and heal you know um, so just been taking it easy since and then going back to Ireland for the next month to six weeks bring the bike with me and start cycling around a couple of roads around Mayo which I'm, I'm looking forward to obviously I haven't lived in Ireland in nearly 10 years like so do, do odd spins maybe over to Bear or down to Schlego and up the country and whatnot. so really looking forward to that I have a few other things planned um, I want to do uh, a one day event um, and I've been on to some people I'm not prepared or willing to share what it is yet obviously because it won't be until the new year probably February or March time um, but I'm open and I'm excited about that and there will be be one more bikepacking trip um, again I'm not prepared to say where it is yet a lot of fucking planning needs to go into this one um, and it'll probably be sometime in the new year from April onwards it'll be probably yeah something similar mileage wise or more um, but really, really looking forward to it. Um, and yeah. Other than that, this is obviously the last episode of the Lisbon to Malta series. <laughs> um, just like to say a massive thank you to everyone or anyone who listens to these. Um, if it's inspired you at all to, I don't know, jump on a bike or even go for a walk brilliant and if you've laughed at least once excellent that's that was always the aim you know to try and paint a picture tell it in my own way make it funny 
and not too serious and whatnot. Um, brilliant. If 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 I know you, you know, uh, and you've enjoyed it, if drop me a message, I'll answer everyone back. If you don't know me, still, and you feel like it, drop me a message. I'll I'll talk to anyone about it, and um, can't wait to meet people that have been watching us and just discuss it and see what the thought or you know have the crack and you know hear other people's insights or opinions about different days and whatnot so looking forward to that i'll be talking about this for years to come but um with that i'm going to say good luck god bless and yeah stay tuned for the next series when whenever that will be next year sometime Thanks, everyone, and good luck, and up, Mayo!